0: out wow. Thank you.
1: This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. David said, One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the day of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to to inquire in his temple. Are you not happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? I would rather be here than to be anywhere else because I know Jesus is here. When one, two, gathering together, Jesus said, I am in the midst. We thank God for being here this morning. I was told by, asked by Brother bloody Girl to come and uh, read the Psalm 139. You can open your Bible and the book of Psalm chapter one. 39. O Lord, thou hast searched me and know me. Thou know my down-seating and my uprising. Thou understand my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and heart acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word and my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou know it all together. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend set up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there shall, there shall thy hands lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be like about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shine as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike together to, to thee. For thou hast possessed my reign, thou hast covered me and my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. And that my soul knoweth right well, my substance was not hid from Thee, where, when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, Thy eyes did see my substance, yet being or un- unper- unperfect, and in Thy book all my me- all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there, were, there was none of them. How precious also are thy thought unto me. O oh God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than they sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked. O oh God, depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men, for they speak against thee wickedly, and thy enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And I'm, I'm, I'm not high grieved with those that rise up against thee. I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thought and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. I was reading for you in the book of Psalm, chapter 139. We're going straight to, the, uh, to prayer, if there is any prayer request, Is there anybody that have a prayer request you want to bring before the Lord this morning? Our neighbor's daughter, her name's Maggie, she has some sort of a virus, they're not sure what it is, and she's back in the hospital. Yeah, Cheryl's neighbor's uh, daughter has a virus, she's in the hospital, her name is Maggie, Uh, we want you to pray for her. Is there any second one? Or a girl. Asking for prayer for
0: Rhonda Cain. She just found out
1: recently that she has cancer and starts chemo treatment this coming Wednesday. One can? Rhonda Cain. One can. Prayer request for one can. She has cancer. She has chemo. This week, remember one can in your prayers. Is there any other prayer request? It seems
0: like we're living in a time of confusion and it's even penetrated to churches of the Lord. I think we need to be praying that the Spirit of God would sweep through and revive His people. There would not be confusion. He would be exalted.
1: Amen. (coughs) Prayer request for confusion penetrate within the church that the Spirit of God. Will we move them? So is there any other one? So we are going to prayer. Let's go bow and kneel before the Lord this morning, our maker. Father God, we come before you this morning. We thank you for being in your beautiful house. Lord, we thank you for one more chance, one more day, one more time. And we thank you for your son Jesus Christ that you gave to die on the cross for our sin and our iniquities. We thank you for the cross, Father God. We thank you for the peace's hands, his hand peace for our for our sin. The word said he was bruised for our transgression. He was bruised, he was for our iniquities. The chastisement us upon him and with his strap we are healed Lord thank you for blessing us to be in your house thank you for reading us oh God with the blood of the lamb this morning here we are before you Father God we are praying you for our wonderful sister Maggie as she had that virus we pray for you O oh God we pray you to touch her right now heal her oh God, in the name of Jesus Christ. We cast out the spirit of virus, whatever virus is in her body. We plead the blood of Jesus against that virus to heal her in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray for the chemo for one. Father God, we lift her up before you. You are the maker of the body. There is nothing too hard for you, nothing impossible for you, oh God. We pray you to touch her, and let everything be done successfully in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray for confusion, O oh God, in the churches. We know we live in the perilous time. There is a lot of confusion the devil brought in and the church to confuse people from getting saved. We pray, O oh God, to remove them by the power of the Holy Ghost. Open our eyes, O oh God. Let the blind can see what's going on. Oh God, let the deaf can hear what's going on, O oh God, that we can see what's going on by the power of the Holy Ghost. We pray you right now, send the light, Lord, send the light of the Holy Ghost, send the light for the church all over the world. Send the light in the church that the sense the Christian can see the truth, they can hear the truth and follow you and live for you and get ready for the rapture. Lord, we pray you for the Christian everywhere all over the world. There are saints that are persecuted for your name's sake. There are saints, oh God, that are in prison, that are sick. We lift them up before you, Lord, that you will help them, oh God. We pray you right now for the unsaved people. There are so many people that are unsaved. Save them for your glory. Let them be found for your name's sake, oh God, in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray you for Haiti right now. We pray you for the chaos that's going on down there nonstop, Lord. We pray you to have your way in that country, O oh God. Oh Lord, rebuke, we rebuke the devil. Every spirit of destroyer will destroy that country, O oh God. We pray for victory in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray for all our children, often all over the world. We lift them up before you. We pray you for Bloody Gale this morning as he's going to preach the word. To the congregation, not only Cornerstone congregation, but there are other people on the internet that is going to hear the message, oh God. Send a rain down, oh God. Send a word to your people, oh God. Bless them by that word. Those that are hurting, let them be healed by that word. Those that are crying, let them be consoled by that word. Those that are the discouraged, let them be encouraged by your word. Those that are weak, let them be strong by that word. Those that feel afraid, let them be, oh God, oh God, victorious, powerful, oh God, to live, oh God, for you, Father God. We thank you for every members of Cornerstone. Everyone that are kneel before you this morning, we thank you for them, oh God. We pray you for prayer requests, unrequested prayer requests, prayers that are not being requested, but you know our heart, you know our thought, O God. Let them be revealed before you and let you give us what we need. We give you the praise, we give you the glory, in Jesus' name, let us say the Lord's prayer together. Our Father, which art in heaven, loud be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not unto temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thy is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Number 473. <clears throat> 473, 1, 2, and
0: 3. Search me, O God
2: Good morning, welcome to worship. Is there any place that you'd rather be on planet earth than worshiping the Lord? We were reminded what a joy it is in our hearts to be able to come collectively and worship God freely. For those of you who were not here this morning for our opening exercise, we were reminded of God's Faithfulness in all of our lives, in every aspect. And I was reminded of a verse with his great provision and his faithfulness. Paul wrote to Timothy, he wrote words like this, even if I don't believe, he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. That's God. <clears throat> For those of you who were not here last weekend, It was our harvest meeting, and our service started on Saturday evening. And Brother Dennis made a couple of statements, one particularly over at least two or three times on Saturday evening, and it went about like this. If we are to advance, we must have power. And you know, I I just couldn't get rid of that out of my heart and mind this week. If we are to advance, we must have power. And the thought behind this statement was that we, God's people, the church, do not possess the power that we need to move forward. If we are to advance, we need power. Well, I think we'll just talk about power for just a moment before we get into our text verse here. I suppose that many of you've uh, traveled in the mountains. Shirley and I had a privilege to do that just not too many weeks ago. You've traveled mountain passes where The walls of rock are pretty high on both sides of the road. And you know that they used explosive power to break that rock up, and then they used large powerful shovels to clear that rock out and move it away. We uh, sat one time where they were working on the road here about a month ago for probably 45 minutes waiting on the pilot car to come from the other direction. Out beside of us there was a large machine and they were dumping pretty good-sized boulders and rocks into one end of it and out the other end was coming fine gravel. A lot of power to run that machine. But you know what? That's not the power of God. In the beginning, God just spoke and all of those mountains came into existence just by him speaking. And then 4,000 years later, his son jesus christ was crucified to redeem mankind to himself and that is our only way back to him and our only hope you know as i drive along and i see those mountains you'll see layers and horizontal layers of mountain uh, sediment and It'll just stack up horizontally and then every once in a while you'll come up at, across the pass where there will be a large fracture in the mountain and part of it looks like it just went over to the side and the layers and the fractures will be diagonal instead of horizontal. You know what the Bible says? It said that when Jesus died, God rent the earth. And as I've driven along, I've wondered if that didn't happen. Those lines were horizontal. Now there's a large crevice and they're on a diagonal. You know, I think God never wants me to forget the power of the blood to redeem me to him and the cost that it was to him. So he does a lot of things to remind us of that. Well, we're thinking about the scripture and the power of God this morning. The scripture is alive by the power of God. The gospel must be coupled with the power of God to be very effective. How many of you here Keith Bailey. You can go ahead, just raise your hand. Probably not much over half of you raised your hand. Either you were afraid to raise your hand or you don't know Keith. Keith Bailey was an elderly preacher here at Cornerstone, and I didn't have the privilege to know him very many years. But he was a wonderful scholar of Scripture And he was a great teacher of it in a way that everybody could understand it. But one of the things that really impressed me about Brother Keith was the testimony that he had. And he talked about the time early in his life when he was on mission tour with other men and they went to Indian reservations. And they preached the gospel there, but it didn't have any effect. They preached and preached and there was little response to the gospel. And we're thinking about the power of God coupled with the gospel. So Brother Keith and his colleagues decided that what they needed to do was to pray to God for revival. So they dedicated one night a week From dusk to get dawn, all night long, to hold the situation before the Lord. Went on for a good while, nothing happened. So they decided they would take two nights a week, from dusk to dawn, and dedicate that in prayer for the situation before the Lord. And he said they went on there a little bit and he said all of a sudden, he said it was like you took a match to a haystack, lit it a fire and there were other haystacks right down the line and he said they just all caught on fire just like that. He said that's the way the gospel did in the communities of the Indians because of the power of God Coupled with the gospel. The power of God. The power of the gospel. And the power. Of his holy spirit. Equal a harvest of life. I want to say this right now. You know I've met people. that, that, That claim a lot of revelation. In their life by the Lord. And a lot of his power. But if that does not add up to what he says in his scripture, it's not the power of God. Well, the text that we want this morning, and I think we'll just leave the title, is if we want to advance, we must have the power of God and we want to take a text from the 22nd chapter of Matthew this morning. 29th verse is where we want to get to. And those words say, you do her not knowing the scripture nor the power of God. So we're going to read a few verses out of this 22nd chapter of Matthew. You will recall the first part of this chapter. Jesus is teaching in parables, inviting men into the kingdom and inviting them to the gospel. And uh, through that time, the Pharisees tried to trap him in his speech, but they were not able to. And. Uh, 22nd verse says, when they heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. We want to start in the 23rd verse. Matthew twenty-two, twenty-three. 23. The same day came to him Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection, and asked him, saying, Master, Moses said, If a man die having no children, and his brother shall marry his wife, Raise up seed unto his brother. "'Now there were with us seven brethren, "'and the first, when he had married a wife, "'deceased, having no issue, "'left his wife unto his brother. "'Likewise the second also, "'and the third unto the seventh. "'At the last the woman died also. "'Therefore in the resurrection "'whose wife shall she be of the seven? "'For they all had her. "'Jesus answered and said unto them, "'You do err, not knowing the scripture, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry or are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. Well, let's think about the Sadducees just for a moment. Sadducees were rich. They were elite. They were, I guess, in putting it in our modern day terms, they would have been the upper class of the day. They were among religious teachers. They were on the Sanhedrin Council. And briefly their belief system went like this, that man had no immortal soul. The soul died with the body. There wasn't any hereafter. When you, were, when you died, you were done. No judgment in the future. No belief in the existence of angels or other spirits. And they certainly did not believe in the resurrection. They believed in the written Torah alone, the five books of Moses. That's all he believed. Well, let's look at... at uh, well, that's, that's how they came to Jesus. They came to him with the Torah. In verse 24, that's how they addressed their disbelief of the resurrection. They said, Moses said. And then they went on to say, this uh, woman who'd had seven husbands, whose wife would she be in the resurrection? And they asked him this question in, uh, in verse 28. Who, Whose who's would she be in the resurrection? I'd like to make this point. Jesus did not answer their question. You know what he did? He answered their need. And he will always do that for us. He may not answer our question, but he will always answer our need. You do err. To err is, is, is to be wrong or mistaken. To deviate from the correct path. I want to go back to our experience that Shirley and I had for the last, uh, here, six weeks or so ago. We had the privilege to go on some kind of remote roads in the mountains They were more like paths than roads. Some of them had names and some of them had numbers and some of them didn't. Some of the paths that are named and numbered kind of dump into some of the paths that aren't numbered or named. And you can uh, be going along there, and a four wheeler or whatever you, whatever you're riding, in, riding in. And you know those uh, roads that are named and dump into the ones that aren't. For a little while, the ones that aren't named and you don't know anything about look pretty good. To start with, they're just about the same as the ones that you'd come from. But it's not very long till they become very problematic. I have erred from the correct path. And you know, there are a lot of doctrines that are that way. They look appealing, but they will lead astray because they are not the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Paul wrote this warning in one of his books when he wrote to a church. He said, Don't be tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, in cunning craftiness whereby they, they lie and wait to deceive. You do err. Well, I suppose that one way to err would simply just be not knowing the scriptures. I would like to make an appeal to uh, children, to parents, to grandparents. Every time we have the opportunity, let's teach scripture. I'd like to make appeal especially to you young people. Learn scripture when you're young. You know, I still have a real favorite memory Before I started to the first grade, my mother passed away and my little brother and I went to live with her grandma and grandpa. And one of the assignments in my first grade class was to learn John 3.16. And you know, I am not a very good learner and not a very good memorizer, but I still remember my grandma working with me at least two or three evenings so I could memorize that verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Learn it when you're young. <clears throat> you know, I think back to that incident. wonder how different the world would be today that was still an assignment for first graders. You know, not only is it not an assignment in the public school, they've completely removed the Bible from the school. It's no wonder we've got confusion today. Er, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Well, another way that people are, the Bible tells men, this is a homework lesson for you, go home and study from the second book of Peter, second chapter, just read that, study that chapter, and you'll find out that there's another way that men err, and that is that they are willingly ignorant. That means they choose to be ignorant. That's pushing aside what I know into my unawareness. I'm going to use an example here. You know, the the gene pool that I come from has a high level of frustration. I'm apt to be unkind, uncompassionate, irritable, just unhandy to get along with when I'm in a frustrated state. Well, I could just push that aside. Lord, that's a generational thing and I just can't help it. No, that's not what the Lord wants me to do. When he brings that to my mind, I am to confess and to repent and to turn from that and to break the generational chains of sin. I want that to get into our heart. It is my responsibility, no matter where I've come from, to live in the power of the Scripture and the power of God by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? The power of God can do that. I know that He can. You do err, not knowing. Well, another area is that we may know the word intellectually, but have some doubts that it may be all inspired by God. You doubt any scripture, any of it, anywhere, that it was ever, all of it was inspired by God? You know, I know some Christians personally, more than one, who have some pretty deep issues. But they have chosen not to take counsel of all the inspired Word of God. Just sort out parts of it. You know, I can't expect to have the power of God to overcome in my life if I only want to pick and choose what i think's inspired by god and when paul wrote to his son timothy spiritual son he he wrote words like this he said all scripture he didn't say part of the scripture he said all scripture is inspired by god and it's good for doctrine it's good for reproof It's good for correction and instruction in righteousness so that I might be thoroughly furnished into all good works. The power of the scripture and the power of God. Well, I uh, had Brother Cephas read from Psalm 139, and I'm not going to turn back there, but I want you to study that chapter. That's another homework assignment. I want you to study that chapter and study it in depth, and I want you to particularly look at the the omnipotence of God, that he is all-powerful and that he made me wonderfully. I want you to look at the omniscience of God, that he is all-knowing and that he knows all about me very intimately. He made me wonderfully. He knows all about me very intimately. And that he is omnipresent. He is everywhere present. He is with me constantly everywhere. Made me wonderfully. Knows me intimately and is with me constantly. Do I really believe that? You know, if I have envy in my heart, lust in my mind, and am gripped in my life with the uh, addictive vices, those are sins of commission. How about, how about the sins of omission? Maybe I'm just ungrateful, unthankful. Don't have the respect I ought to have. I'm not submissive. Do I really believe that God made me wonderful? Do I really believe that God knows me intimately and that every moment he's right beside me? If I really believe that my behavior will show it. Do I really believe that all the scriptures inspired by God? You know if I begin to doubt any part of scripture, I will soon believe a lie. And then I will soon be deceived. And that's nothing new. That happened in the garden with Adam and Eve, and it's still happening today. That pattern's still here. Probably about all of you know Billy Graham. I suppose you do. The great evangelist of uh, at least the time I lived in and a little before maybe. He had his challenges with his total surrender to all of the inspired Word of God. How many of you know Chuck Templeton? He was a contemporary with Billy Graham. And he began to doubt the Scriptures. He was a believer, he preached along with Billy Graham, but he began to doubt the Scriptures. That they were all inspired of God. You know, some people believe that uh, all inspired Scripture is of God, but they don't believe that uh, all of Scripture is inspired by God. That's not what the Word says. It says that all Scripture is inspired by God. So, uh, Chuck Templeton went from a believer to an agnostic. That means that you can't know. It's really impossible to know whether God exists or not. And then after he believed that lie and was deceived, he went to an atheist. And that's to not believe in God at all. You do er not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. You know, I think about uh, David as he penned the Psalms, the Psalm that we read this morning, and there's other Psalms about how God knew him. And then he would say words like this. He would say, cleanse me from secret faults. Keep me back from presumptuous sins let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight O lord my strength and my redeemer that's just one there's a lot of them look at the last few words of the chapter that was read to us this morning god and his power in scripture I think there's a verse in Hebrews that goes about like this. The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than edgy, two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You know, uh, that scripture alone says to me that evil and sin will be severed and cut away by the power of God if I will surrender to Him. The power of scripture. You know, one time a man told me this. He said, anywhere you open the Bible, it bleeds. And I suppose that that would Need a little qualification maybe. But the principle is there. The principle is that all of the Bible points to the blood of Jesus Christ and its power to save me. There is sufficient for all mankind and just one drop of Christ's blood in my life has the power to save me from the damnation of hell. Just one drop. But without it, that's where I'm going. You know, the truth of Scripture is tied to the power of God. He executes in power His mercy and His grace. He also executes in power His judgment and wrath. It's all fulfillment of Scripture, the inspired Word of God and His power. I just said as simple as I know how to say it. God says what he means, and he means what he says. That's just pretty simple. He says what he means, and he means what he says. I don't know how it could be more simple than that. The inspired word of God and his power. God is perfect, God is exact. He is righteous, and without the blood of Jesus Christ and his righteousness covering my soul, my heart, and my life, I can expect nothing but the wrath of God and judgment and damnation to hell. And God wants to save every soul we ever created. The Bible says that. He wants to save me from my sin, but he will not if I willingly continue to practice in my sin, pretty, pretty plain, really. Well, let's go back to the to the chapter. Let's uh, go down to the next verse, verse thirty, where Jesus says, "For in the resurrection." They neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection, but Jesus addressed their need. Now, you'll notice in these next couple verses, verse 31 and 32, Jesus addressed the truth and the power of the resurrection. Through the Torah, which they did believe. You notice that? He says, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Not the God of the dead, but of the living. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will live again. And where Jesus was quoting from was Exodus chapter 3. Study that one. He said, to tell your people, I am that I am. Not a was, but I am eternal. Eternal God, God of the living, the God of God of all living the God that will always be living and Jesus Christ repeated those words he said before Abraham was I am God I am Christ I am not of the dead but of the living bless you this morning we serve a living Lord hallelujah a living Lord And you know what he said? He said, because I live, you're going to live also. The power of the resurrection. We believe the inspired word of God, the scripture, and the power of God. Well, I'd just like to encourage us this morning to know the facts of scripture, to believe them, to accept them by faith, and by wisdom discern and apply them in our lives, and by surrendering to the power of God, live in obedience. And I want everyone here to know that God wants to heal you, He wants to comfort you, He wants to bring peace to your life, and He wants you to have joy. He wants you to have that kind of power in your life. I think for a benediction, I'll just read a few of those scriptures in Timothy that were written right before where we quoted from third chapter, second, Timothy. Fourteenth verse, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise, and to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished, perfect, thoroughly furnished, and do all good works. If we are to advance, we must have the power of God. What shall we sing?